Welcome to the Swim Strong Dry Land podcast. We are dedicated to inspiring and educating the swimming world. Our podcast highlights the work, character, and achievements in and around the Swim Strong community. We're here with Coach Adam Matarashi from Eagle Aquatics, also a former Olympian for Hungary. Adam, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on here, and I'm actually going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions right off the bat so that people can get to know you a little bit. You ready? Thanks for having me, and hello, everybody. I'm yes, ready. Let's do it. All right. All right, here we go. What is your walkout song? Um, I don't have one specific song. It's kind of just what's the newer that pumps me up and you know, once you listen it over and over and over, it kind of loses that touch. So updated, but I am a European electronic music. So something that's a fast pace, not much lyrics. Oh, yeah. That, uh, I think everybody that, at Eagle know. Aquatics could have guessed that one. That's good. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> have a daily, daily volume of that. How about your favorite board game? Um, it's, a, it's a Hungarian board game that actually exists in America. It's called Aggravation. So. I don't think many people are aware of it. Go look but it up. I played people. that a lot before. Celebrity you'd most like to meet? Dennis Rodman. Oh, yes. How about what would you be doing career-wise if you weren't coaching? Firefighter. Okay. Favorite candy? Twix and Kit Kat. Do you have one more than the other? No, it's kind of like the music. Once you eat a lot of twigs, then you switch over. So it's it's not like it fades away a little bit, but it's like head to head. I don't really eat it anymore. So I haven't had one of those in a while, actually. That's well, funny. that's not true. I had a small twigs at the last swim in the future. <laughs> uh, but yeah. How- actually, what I've been eating a lot is uh, Kinder Bueno because they have it at Costco. So if I get a box, then you know, my dog can't eat it. So I have to. <laughs> How about what's something most people don't know about you? Mm, I have family members in six other countries. That's cool. <laughs> How about last one, your favorite swim meet you ever went to as an athlete? Oh, that's easy. Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for answering those. Now we're going to get into the meat of the discussion here. I'm excited for everybody to get to hear about your background, your experiences, your journey, because it's very cool. I've had the privilege of working with um, Adam for the last five years at Eagle Aquatics in Miami, Florida in person. And it's just been a blessing to learn from him and to get to know him as a friend, as a brother. And so Adam's journey is cool and really like grew up in Hungary, obviously. But then before that, before the uh, Olympics came, you were training at Louisville University. I was wondering if you could share a little insight uh, being international and then searching for college in America, what stood out about Louisville? Uh, yeah, back then it was a little different procedure um, trying to get into uh, a college. It kind of just started to become a thing where swimmers moved to America and go to college. So I had a few people in my team that, that did it. Um, but yeah, back then they didn't have all these platforms where you go and then click to, and then all the coaches get everything about you. <laughs> um, so that's a super nice recruiting, um, apps and, and, and ways that they figured out to make the process easier. Back then I literally had to go and find all the colleges that had a, a swim team and then go to their website and try to find an email to reach. And then I had <laughs> papers and papers of so different. And info. So I just sent an email and all that. So yeah. Uh, that was a little bit different. Uh, but the reason I ended up in Louisville, there were many other colleges that I was choosing from. But um, there was, first of all, Arthur, obviously, took over the uh, the swimming program there. And then he seemed like a very knowledgeable and, and um, enthusiastic coach that was clearly there for the swimmers. And um, that obviously was a, one thing that I wanted, um, and also there wasn't a lot of distraction. Um, <laughs> got some offers from Hawaii and other places that I'm like, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I might get kicked out too soon if I'm surfing every day. So um, 
I knew myself mm-hmm. that less distraction helps me focus more on the things that are more important, obviously, at the time being. So that was a benefit. And, and, and I enjoyed the fact that he was just starting to build a program. So I wanted to be part of building something which is going to place there. It has been existing and kind of just maintaining that level. That's awesome. Um, so uh, yeah. I ended up choosing Louisville. That's awesome. Yeah. Great, great program. Coach Arthur Albiero, amazing coach in person. And, um, you know, when you pick, when you ended up picking Louisville, so I've heard some awesome Adam stories from you <laughs> over the years. Um, but you were the first NCAA qualifier at Louisville. So obviously they built up to a powerhouse program now, but you were there before it was what it is now. And you were the first NCAA qualifier for them. I was wondering if you could tell a little bit about that experience. Uh, yeah, of course. That was obviously super fun. As I said, that was part of the reason why I wanted to go there so to build something. Um, so it was, uh, it was an honor, super cool to be part of that um, and beginning a, a journey that, as you said, nowadays is a powerhouse and um, doing a, a, an amazing job. Um, at the beginning, you know, we, we started smaller team and then started recruiting. So adding another breaststroker and then was able to have medley relays and all that. So we, we literally was there one step at a time. Uh, but again, that was fun to be part of. Uh, Arthur did an amazing job, not just coaching, but recruiting um, and, and created an atmosphere that was very different from what I was used to from Hungary. Um, so it was very team oriented and family oriented. And um, I remember in our freshman year, we had the conversation like he said, it's uh, swimming is a team sport. And I said, no, it's an individual sport. So um, definitely a cultural differences between <laughs> Hungary and USA, how you see and approach things. Um, but I have come to learn that it's definitely a team sport and it's uh, so much easier and better to do it together versus just more of an individual thing. So um, there's so much I have learned from Arthur and that whole program and what he created that I apply every single day with my team um, that obviously helped me be a better person and a better coach too. I think it's interesting the blend of your time training and growing up in Hungary and and then in the United States and how I've seen the personality and coaching philosophies and things that you pulled from each culture in each situation and i think it's definitely helped shape your mindset to be where it is but uh there's an interesting story that i think is pretty funny about when you did make ncaa's if i'm not mistaken you qualified ninth and i was wondering if you could share that with everyone just kind of what your i think it just gives a little insight into your mindset which i don't think um people know a whole lot about so i was curious if you could share that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was my freshman year, so this whole college experience and racing was obviously completely different than what I've been used to. Um, so I didn't really know what it means to go to a conference and then see. I was like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal for college, but for me that was just nothing that existed before, so I didn't understand uh, how important it is or what it actually means and all that. So we went to our uh, the NCAA my freshman year and I was the, the only qualifier so it was just Arthur and me um, and in the prelims I, I, I got ninth and I didn't make it back to the final so I told Arthur that I'm not swimming in the B final <laughs> uh, I was like no and he said hell yeah you're swimming it <laughs> we, we went back and forth a couple times but, but yeah, obviously I ended up swimming it and, and dropped even more and then finished First in the B final, that would have qualified me fifth in the A final. So I had the fifth best this time. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, at that point, I was like, no, if it's not the A final, I'm not swimming good. <laughs> so um, obviously, that wasn't anything he was expecting to hear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's one thing that he told me that has carried over me that, that show everyone in the B final that you were supposed to be in the A final. So I used all that frustration and 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 I put it in the water in the in the final. So, uh, <laughs> but so yeah, funny. that was that was funny. <laughs> I love it. It gives such a good insight, I think, into even your mind now. Just like the desire to want to be great and 
Um, but yeah, for anybody, obviously, if you qualify for the B finals at NCAAs, that's an amazing accomplishment, amazing honor for anyone across the country and the the opportunity of a lifetime. And it's just funny that you came with no knowledge of the college system necessarily and and <laughs> got ninth and weren't even interested. So that always cracks me up. But um, but does give some good insight into your attitude around just wanting to be great in everything that you do. Otherwise, why would I be doing it? And so that kind of leads a little bit too into, you know, a lot of people may not know. I mentioned it in the introduction, but you were an Olympian as well, representing your country um, and for Hungary and something, um, you know, a butterflyer. If, if I'm sure Adam will jump into that, but he was a butterflyer, 100 and 200 butterfly. And um, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your Olympic journey. What uh, there's a lot of people out there who obviously want to make it to the Olympics who are in the sport and want to be great and have a mindset similar to you. But I think very few understand what it actually looks like. And then on the other side, there's people who think it's just impossible and that you must have been a freak of nature who, you know, was just born to be an Olympian. And so I'm curious if you could just share a little personal insight into your Olympic journey, what it took to get there, what that kind of looks like. Yeah, well, growing up, it, we didn't talk about going to the Olympics. And that was like, it wasn't like I woke up and, oh, I want to be an Olympian. Like, that wasn't why I woke up or went to practice. It's just something I did and I get good at it. And I just kept doing it. Um, didn't, didn't have those talks when you sit down and w tell me your goals or what you, where you can be and all that stuff. Uh, it was just something I, I, I chose to do. And, and then I do it every day. So... Clearly, consistency is, is, is key. You can't do something here and there and then expect to be the best of it. So um, doing it consistently, and, and it's a lot of sacrifice that, that you have to get over. You know, in middle school, after practice, I mean, after school, they were always like, oh, we're going to go play soccer or basketball or go see a movie. Are you going to come? And the answer is always like, I can. I practice. <laughs> I can't. I practice. I'm pretty sure they made a funny shirt out of it for swimmers too. I can't. I practice. Um, so yeah, those were not easy. Would I rather play soccer or go to movies? Of course. Um, but I chose to do swimming. I had swim practice, so I went and did that. So uh, that kind of obviously developed into the thing that I was doing. So it became easier over time. Uh, and also harder because <laughs> the older you are, the more you train and uh, and all that. So it it was a lot of early wake up, morning practice, then school, then afternoon practice. I mean, uh, exhausted about ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> uh, but that's just something that if you if you want to get somewhere, is what you need to do. Um, many people try to stay at home, sit on the couch, and watch TV and get better at things, but that has never worked for anyone. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, we, if only we it worked that magic way. Pill yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely the consistency and the willingness to work hard. And, and at one point, you need to reach the point where you can't put limits to yourself because then you're holding yourself back and, and you need to do things that you didn't even know you can do. So teaching that to the kids every day to not say, I was like, Oh, I, that's the best I can do or say to something. Oh no, I can do that. Like, well, you gave up before you even tried it. Hmm. So uh, having the mindset to not put boundaries to yourself and just try to get the most out of it. And, and like, like, let's see what I'm capable of. If you will, kind of, Mm -hmm. uh th that that's obviously a lot of work to get to that point but uh once you can reach that then you see things differently as well what were some of the most memorable points on that journey like whether they were obstacles and really challenging moments where you felt like giving up but then you pushed through and it took you to another level or just some of the most joyful moments or things that maybe coaches told you along the way impact people had on you what would what would you say would be some of the most memorable points in your olympic journey that propelled you there whether good or bad uh well there were times i think that everyone goes through that that should i quit should i keep going is this worth it and i went through that too around 15 16 um 
And then I decided, I was like, all right, there I had like three or four months before the Hungarian Nationals. And I decided, I was like, I'm just going to do my best every day till then. And and then I'll see if uh, if it's worth the waking up at five every day, being exhausted and all that hard work. Or should I, you know, spend my energy and time on something else that will be more beneficial in the future? Um, I'll be honest, I doubt it. I can't swim fast enough to say that, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, but I have the moment when I finish that. By the way, that was my all-time best Hungarian national uh, meet. And, and I finaled and got top three in every event I swim. It wasn't a freestyler per se, wow. but even then. Um, but I have the moment when I finished on the two fly, I turn around, look at the clock, and I saw my time, and I'm like, now I have to keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I dropped a lot of time I wasn't expecting. So that, that was one time. And there was another time when I, I almost quit where my coaches left, uh, but they made me promise I go over to this other club team, which was like, my last one that I would be willing to go to and swim at. Um, so I did that and I continued my career there. But there was one, another time where I was uh, contemplating or perhaps not swimming anymore. And obviously moving to America gave me a different energy and view of things and environment. So so that, that gave me an extra boost um, on that. Uh, that was, I guess, the, the lows of the things that, that you kind of overcame. And uh, middle of the season, when you're really tired and you can barely even roll out of bed and you have five, you know, have to wake up at five and all that, then every morning when the alarm goes up or woke up, the first question comes to your mind is why? <laughs> <laughs> but then you, you, I literally had to train myself. Actually, you have to have a why. So then you need to respond. Oh yeah, I want to be an Olympian or, oh yeah, I want to get better. And then literally just come back because at 5 a.m. is not the right time to make lifetime decisions. <laughs> um, so you just, I literally had to go five, four, three, two, one and start moving. Uh, because the longer you stay there, the longer you're thinking, the more negative thoughts you're going to come up with. Mm. Um, so that, that's just something you have to train yourself to and then just get out of bed and start yeah. doing it. So, so that first of all, I appreciate you sharing the hardest side of the sport because a lot of people don't realize how many things you have to go through and even hearing, oh, wow, Adam, who you know, was an NCAA finalist, was an Olympic uh, swimmer, went through multiple periods where he wondered if he even wanted to swim anymore and had to continue to fight to to get himself out of bed to keep doing it. So that's the challenging part of it. And most people can't endure that, which is why most people can't get to the point of being an Olympian because they don't realize like you have to continually say yes when your body, your mind is wanting you to say no I don't want to be this uncomfortable. I don't want to be this consistent. I don't want to work this hard. Um, but can you talk about, so that's obviously not something that is natural for humans. Like it's not natural to put yourself through that and do things you don't want to do. So talk about the other side of that. Like the, the, there has to be like a joy. You mentioned a why, which I think is that deep rooted reason why you're doing it. Um, and a joy or the sport talk talk about that side of it um that did help you get through the challenging things what were the things you loved most about the sport that when you did think about oh yeah this is what's on the other side because the joy has to be more powerful than just like the 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 joy leads to the grit in my opinion right if you have that why and the yep. joy behind it then the grit becomes a little bit easier so what 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 do you think about or what did you think about when you were training um joy-wise and, and behind the scenes to get through that? Yeah, well, you think about the end result. Obviously, my why is the competitions. Swimming fast is always fun. You know, getting top three is always fun. <laughs> um, so so that will keep moving you. Uh, making, making the national team and representing your country at competitions, it's super honor and fun. So those were the things that, that motivated me to do better so I can get there and you know, I can receive the swag and have the warm up with the hunger <laughs> on it and the shirt and the cap and, and all that stuff. But yeah, going to swim meets, traveling and, and representing your country is definitely 
the things that will keep you going and uh, and do things that you didn't know you're capable of. Yeah, that last thing you um, just said, doing things you didn't know you're capable of. I think that's something that you share with the athletes that you coach often is, hey, it's more than just like the the motivations and things that you just mentioned are super powerful, but then also what you can show yourself, what you can do and how that'll translate to other areas of life. I hear you speak a lot on how it translates to outside of swimming now moving into your coaching career. Um, could you give a little bit of insight into kind of the things like the life lessons that swimming teaches you or that you try to teach the kids now that you're coaching with Eagle Aquatics? Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the reasons I kind of became a coach while I was a swimmer. I never wanted to coach. I didn't even want to work on a street that had a swimming pool on. So <laughs> I, was like, I had enough. Take me away. Uh, uh, the, in order to stay in America, I got a, a coaching visa that allowed me to stay and coach. So uh, I did that. And I, I, that was for three years. Uh, so I worked at uh, Cardinal Aquatics in Louisville, which our, Arthur's wife is running. Um, so that was my first life coaching experience. Um, it was very interesting to see how once I started teaching swimming and coaching other kids, once when I jumped in the pool, I was also like kind of focusing way more on the things that I was teaching and how I do things. Um, so it definitely changed my mind and made me a better swimmer um, just by teaching others how to do it correctly. So um, uh, th that was beneficial. And an interesting thing that I didn't think about beforehand. Um, so that was my first coaching experience with Cardinal Aquatics. Uh, then I got my green card and, and, and I moved away to see what else is out there and take a break. And, and actually, I always thought I wanted to work in the hospitality industry. So I did that and moved to Colorado to catch up on skiing because uh, I also grew up skiing. Uh, and I, I haven't done that for a while because of swimming. So uh i did that but after doing for two years i i really missed the whole competitive environment uh, working with kids uh and i felt like i have learned so much through swimming that i wanted to share that with others and if that can make someone's life easier or better uh i i, I that would be the the satisfaction of it so swimming faster, qualifying the things is good, but the biggest picture of why I'm doing it is to make people better or have an easier life, something teach them that they can carry on for the rest of their life that will help them be more successful or, or happier overall. That's awesome. So missing all that, uh, I was searching for a, a, a swim team, and that's when I moved down to Miami. And then within a year, I was able to, to start my own team. Um, and they always say that if you if you do what you love, you never have to work another day. So I finally understood it. Uh, I always wanted to own my business too, but then I liked coaching. So having my own team kind of gave me both of the best world. So uh, finally able to understand what they meant by that. <laughs> and even though it's a lot of work and, and there are things you didn't know before you started, what you have to, to work on and deal with, but it's still super blessed and happy that I can do what I love and, and, all, you know, parents believe in the team and me to, to bring the kids there and, and being able to work with, with all those great people. It's uh super blessful. That's awesome. It's a really cool story and a great passion that you bring to the sport with a lot of different life experiences. And I think it's a pretty awesome story how Eagle Aquatics has grown because when you started Eagle Aquatics, it was just a few kids, if I'm not mistaken, right? How many were there like on day one when you started the team? Uh, so Mr. Newpool, there were a couple swimmers that swam with the lifeguard, so like about 10 of them. And then, then some people followed me for another team. So we started with a few, but uh, had enough to have a team since people, some of them, um, might have followed me from the previous club team um, yeah. but we reached i think about 50 60 people after like three months because wow. uh, the city had me advertise and there were a lot of people interested so um, I, I got a good amount of kids surprisingly quickly <laughs> that's um, cool 
so that was great to to start off the things and then size wise didn't necessarily get much bigger but there's a lot more people who are bought in and want to make swimming their priority um and do this more consistently year round versus okay we're going to take a few months off here then we'll come back and then this and that so uh people are way more bought in and consistent and again they want to be swimmers so yeah <laughs> uh it's it's uh the best to work with people who want to be there and want to do it that's awesome yeah starting with about 10 kids and then doing some city advertising and seeing it seeing some people grow who were brand new to swimming and then um really just having the standards that you've had your entire life you see the team get to where it is now which with a team of about 80 athletes we you guys have created something really special just for those of you watching who don't know this two of the number one recruits in the world in the 24 class top guy and top girl erica Palaez and kai winkler are on eagle aquatics and have been with adam since they were young age group swimmers there's 16 people in the senior group 14 of them are qualified for national level meets and it's a pretty incredible thing to have almost 100 percent of your senior group qualify for national level meets and there's time for, for those last two to get up there for sure. So, and that's a goal we have, I know. And so how do you go from having some neighborhood advertisements to having a team where your entire senior group is qualifying for or almost qualifying for national level meets and, and multiple of them swimming for Team USA with many more on the way who are headed that direction? How, how is that possible with a team of 80 in a neighborhood city pool, six lanes, 20 short course. We don't have long course training at Eagle Aquatics. So how did you do that? Like, how do you, how do you create a culture in the course of seven years now? Is that correct? Eight years eight. of Eagle Aquatics? Yep. Eight of Eagle Aquatics. Eight in two days. Some, sure. some people never do that in their entire life with, with teams of, of, of over a thousand, you know, what, what is it that, that you've done to create that culture? Uh, again, I can't root it back for previous experiences, what I've learned throughout my career. Um, so a lot of the things we did in college and learned from Arthur, obviously applying it. Um, and seeing from the background I learned from Hungary and seeing, you know, being around the pool a lot. So uh, seeing the, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, so having all that experience uh, helps me make, you know, decisions and what direction I want my team to go to. Um, so defining where you want your team to be and what are the important things for you is obviously step one. And then you just have to hold yourself and the people around you to those standards. Um, so everybody's working towards the same goal and the same uh, pillars, if you will. Uh, so keeping that message always clear and, you know, uh, across helped the people to buy in and, and do the same thing versus just uh, having different goals and mindsets and just hope for the best. Um, so especially with my bigger group, as you said, we're really young team and I just had my first seniors graduate. So that was a new experience, but still most of my swimmers are, are younger age. Um, so it was easier to, to develop that habits and mindsets and culture from an earlier age to kind of they grew into it. And now the new younger generation can pick up on that and learn from it. So um, that makes it easier. Obviously having Swim Strong Jiland and you on deck and, and delivering not just the Jiland workouts, but all the dry side of the of the sport and all the mindset and motivation is a huge benefit in addition to, to the success. Um, so having all that come together, having again the kids that the things that you require for success in place, which is consistency, hard work. Um the kids have their goals they know their why so the important part is i think just to remind them that they are doing this for them it's their journey it's their goals um and if they don't do their work they're, they're not gonna get there um so especially in the middle of season when things get hard everyone's tired and can barely move to keep that 
uh, that thought in their mind, I think it's important that they remember every day that, oh yeah, I'm doing this for a reason and for myself, so it's better for me. Um, and that gives them a better mindset for the workout. Um, and uh lost my train of thought. I think that's a really good insight. Just it and Adam is super humble, so he's not gonna dig super deep into things that he's done. He's gonna focus back on the kids and what they've done and how it's their journey. And I do think that's something that makes the culture really successful is something that you've always said is that if I want it more than the athlete wants it, then we have a problem. Like I should never want it more than the athlete wants it because if they don't care, then I'm certainly not going to put the effort into them if they don't want it. Like I'm going to put it into the people who really want it. And uh, message to the parents listening out there too. That's something that um, I would highly, highly recommend remembering is that anybody who wants it more than their kid wants it. That's not good either. It's the kid's journey. And I think that's a, really important thing but when you let the athletes own their journey you find that they're capable of so much more than when you try to do it for them and it's funny I don't know how probably very few people know this story but when I was moving to Miami so my wife got a um, residency with Bascom Palmer uh, I Institute she's an ophthalmology and so I was moving out to Miami and we had just started swim strong dry land this is five years ago and I wanted to have a home club that I could be in person with and just be implementing the things we're doing on deck and continue to see everything firsthand as we deliver the programming to teams around the country. And, uh, and I just love being on the pool deck. So I remember looking for teams and it was very different when I came and visited Eagle Aquatics. And I just remember speaking to you the first day and seeing the standards and how much real coaching you were doing and the standards you had with the kids in the water and even I remember I came in and met you and um, one thing that you mentioned was that you wanted to talk at a very specific time because you were coaching. You had very specific things that you were focused on and that time was for the kids. And it's interesting because I've seen other coaches, um, none that we work with, but I've seen other coaches who are, you know, standing and texting during swim sets or they're the they uh, write something on the board and walk away and don't actually coach. And I just remember seeing you so engaged. And that was something that I was like, I can feel there's a difference in culture here. Um, and the the level of accountability. I was wondering if you could speak to that, because I think that's something that separates you from a lot of a lot of coaches is the level of accountability you have, what you do and don't let the kids get away with in the water uh, if they are on Eagle Aquatics. And just wondering if you could speak a little bit about the accountability culture. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, doing the right thing is always important. And as you as you said, if you walk away or you're texting, how do you know what they're doing in the water? Um, so keeping an eye on them and obviously technique-oriented team. So uh, we'll focus on a lot of technique, even if, let's say, you have perfect technique. If you're not practicing it, it's not, not going to stay perfect um so we, we try to improve or maintain uh the efficiency but usually there is especially at this age there's always ways to improve uh but yeah there are some things that are important and i think uh it's beneficial um that we try to address and and it was hard for them to motivate them staff to do it consistently so there are some things that we put in place as part of the team rule that everybody has to follow to, to, for their benefit, if you will. <laughs> uh, Can you so mention they, what those team rules are? Uh, yeah, some of the things. Uh, the hardest one that I had to put in actual rules are the breeding patterns. Um, breeding every three on freestyle and two on butterfly during practice um, for many reasons, not just tech, improves their technique, um, and like freestyle, a lot of people come over, breathe every two. I think that push, puts more stress on one shoulder than the other. That can increase uh, injury over time, especially in a long period of time. Um, and just developing the lung capacity, if you're breathing three versus two, that will help you a lot more of that. Um, doing kickouts off the walls. Um, try to say it every time, and people were not pushing themselves to do more, just kind of whatever they were getting by with, and then... 
you know, when you're tired, you feel sorry for yourself. So then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll skip it this time. Um, but if you can't do it at practice, how are you going to do it at the swim meet? So, so there's a certain amount of kick-ass they have to do off the wall every single time from beginning till end. And uh, not breathing off the first stroke. So when they push off the wall, they have to take two strokes on freestyle or one stroke on fly before they can take a breath on the second or the third stroke. Um, and all of a sudden, things got a lot better. <laughs> so they made improvements much faster once we put it into place. Um, but there are some other small rules where, you know, not breathing inside the flags on the finishes. So develop that habit. When they do it at the swim meets, they're not taking a breath inside the flags because um, that takes away time. And we're trying to touch the wall first, not second or third, or just, you know, get a best time. Um, uh, so focusing on the little things technique-wise and breathing-wise and, and every aspect of it, try to improve the littlest thing here and there to to reach our potentials is what our, our big focus is on. Yeah, I think I getting if that kind of answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I think getting to the point where you have all the little things, little details that aren't little at all, like you talked about kickouts, not breathing on the first stroke, not breathing inside the flags, breathing every three strokes on freestyle when you're training, different things like that are things I think that coaches probably rip their hair out trying to get people to do, but implementing it as a team rule is pretty interesting if you're going to swim for eagle aquatics you're going to do these things or you're not swimming for eagle aquatics i think is a different mindset and it tells people right away and you're always honest with people when they come in if they want to try out if they want to be a part of the team a part of the culture from a um, swimming perspective dry land perspective mindset perspective being a good teammate all those things are very clear from day one and so while it may sound crazy to some people initially eventually you end up getting people who really are bought into that and have that mindset and care about the little details and then i've noticed it frees you up to be able to actually coach the kids on things that aren't what you need to teach them when they're 10 and under although you still have to repeat yourself i'm sure from time to time um but if you don't have very to keep... rarely <laughs> But if you can eliminate that, at least to a very high degree, you can actually coach on more specific technical things and help the athletes who really want to be great get to that next level when they're doing those baseline things. So I think that's really interesting and gives some good insight into the type of standard that you've set with Eagle Aquatics that's really bled through the whole organization. And kind of on the terms of technique, you said it's a technique-based team, high accountability in terms of coaching technique, what would you say separates you maybe from other coaching styles? I know you come from a background of training in uh, multiple countries, obviously. So are there things you took from Hungary that you brought to the United States? Is there things that you learned here that you've done different or you've blended them together? What what would you say is unique about your coaching style? Uh, yeah, definitely blended the two together. Um they're way different uh, mentality and training uh, methods in Hungary versus here, especially back in the days. Um, but yeah, the Hungarian training is more of a, a yardage base <laughs> or meter base, I should say. Um, and and we work more on the little things and more quality work in 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 America. So yes, I kind of picked the best things I liked from both and, and merged them together. So I guess if you want to call it unique, that not everyone might have the experience from what it's like in Hungary and whatnot. So, but other than that, you know, it's, I don't think it's anything different that many, many other teams and coaches and swimmers do um, around not just America, but the world. Um, so there are obviously, uh, that that would be a little unique touch to it, but I don't think we're doing anything extraordinary that that not many other teams and coaches do as well. That's super interesting because I think you've gotten calls from people around the country who have said, hey, I want to come and see what you guys are doing in practice. And you're saying that they're not going to see anything that they've never seen before. It's just a difference in mindset and accountability. Is that, would you say that's what separates Eagle Aquatics or any anything else unique outside of that that you're doing that no one's ever done before? 
No, that's the thing. Like I, I, in my world, I don't feel like we're doing anything unusual or extraordinary. Um, but I do see people come over, perhaps other teams that like swimmers that don't have the same standards. And there are things that I think it's, you know, everybody knows and then find out they literally never had a conversation about that topic before. So I do notice that whatever seems normal uh, to me may have, may, may not be even existing at other places. So it's hard for me to pinpoint because it seems like I'm doing everything that I thought everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't really give you anything that we yeah. do differently. I told you what we do, like obviously have the great kids who are committed great background with the parents and and all the coaching staff and the dryland program and and everything so if everyone's doing their job then then that's the the best scenario you can have <laughs> um and that's the the best way to try to reach your everyone's potential so if everybody puts in 100 percent, then then that's your best chance uh, it's wild again, because if the kids only putting 80 in then why would you you're not going to pick up the 120. It's not going to have the same result. Mm. Um, so that's when, you know, you want to address it and, and then try to bring the kid back to that 100% uh, where they realize that, oh, yeah, these are my goals, not the coach's goal. And I want to reach that and, and, and I want to be there and I want to qualify to that meet or whatever. So um, sometimes when you're tired and then you have to wake up at 5 a.m., that's not your first thought, but that's why we're there. Part of why we're there to kind of remind them and, and get them back on the on track. It's wild to me because I've gotten to witness firsthand the things that you're talking about, the mindset you have, um, the humility you have around the sport while also having a crazy passion and dedication to it. And what you're saying um, has really impacted me as well in the way that I view things and realizing anything is really possible if you just do the things you're supposed to do and don't overcomplicate it and if you have a whole team of people parents athletes coaches and support system that's all doing that you can see incredible things happen and um so anyway i appreciate you sharing all that and last last kind of topic i want to uh, hit one on one more comment oh, that you did mention when when you swimmers come in i do go over the expectations and how we do things here so as you said, from the first second, they come in knowing what how we do things. So, um, you know, we had people that did things differently at other places, but I'm like, they can still get a chance. And if they know there are different expectations and the people do things differently, then they, you know, for my experience, they either buy in and keep doing it and pick that mm -hmm. up and, and join, or they just decide, yeah, that's not for us. So that's mm -hmm. either way, it's fine. But before they join i i'm very open about it because i'd rather have less people that are able to work together help each other and stay positive than having a lot of people that just not really bought in or do their mm -hmm. own thing or just have negative body language and, and mindset um that's not gonna help everyone reach their potential so i want everyone to come in knowing that we work together you got to find a way to stay positive and help each other out because that's what's going to bring, in my opinion and many others, the, the best results and the potential. So uh, I am very open about it, especially with the senior group. If somebody wants to join where our standards are at, our expectations and then they can decide that's something they want and it's a good fit or not before they even jump in. And yeah, as you said, I tell them about the breeding and all that. Um, and I explain why that might help their technique or why it's beneficial or why we're doing things mm -hmm. the way we're doing it. And then everyone has the chance to to decide if that's a good fit for them or not. Mm -hmm. And those expectations are held evenly across the board, which I think is hard for a lot of coaches, regardless of how talented the athletes are. And I think that's something unique that i've seen is that it doesn't matter how fast a kid is you could care less about that if they don't meet the expectations and so we've you know i've seen swimmers who were extremely talented not stay a part of the team because they weren't a good fit and people who also were on the other side of it not very good but there's no 
bias one way or the other. And I think one thing that coaches and teams struggle with the most is when your most talented athletes are the least hardworking. And a lot of times people cater to those super talented athletes who don't want to do anything because it helps their team score points. It makes their team look better, blah, blah, blah. But I've never seen that with you. doesn't matter how talented you are. If you are not a hard worker and you don't have the mindset to keep the team rules, it doesn't matter whether you swim for Team USA or you've never even made future. You got to be able to do that. And I think that sets the tone because if your hardest workers on the team are lazy or a bad example, everybody's going to follow them. And whereas when your fastest kids set a great example, like for you, that being Erica, who's been doing this for a long time, I think everybody would agree is one of the hardest workers you've ever seen in your entire life so consistent and maybe i'll have you talk about her in a second but a next level and that bleeds and you have kai on the guy's side and you have people that it bleeds down to in the age group levels people like joya balsano and you have people like penelope lopez casulo who are setting national records and doing things at each level because and they're setting the example for the next generation and there's many other athletes on the team who are doing amazing things. We're not going to sit here and talk about each individual, but can you speak a little bit about that? Having your most talented athlete also be your hardest working. What is it? Uh, how does that impact the team culture that you've seen? And why do you have that mindset of, Hey, even if you're the best in the world, you're not going to be on my team. If you can't follow the simple rules. Uh, well, it definitely has a great example and what a leadership role she has without even trying by just doing the right thing. So obviously if uh, you can lead by example and she certainly is doing it. Um, so that just sends a message that, okay, if you work hard, you can get anywhere. Um, and, and it helps people, kids realize that, okay, there is no limits or it is possible or, oh my gosh, she's my teammate and she's at that meet or this meet. Um, it it brings, brings it to more, into reality versus just oh yeah it's the olympics and there are swimmers there when you see one of your teammates at a big meet then it's like oh, oh so cool so then they give them a different perspective i was like oh i train next to her lane and then if she can do it then i can do it and all that so it's definitely a great thing to have because as you said it triggers down to to all the other groups and and age groups um so having that around i remember then she, she liked someone's widow at one point and it literally made the kids day like, Oh my God, she liked Michael. Um, so a lot of times you don't even know how much power you have and how much kids look up to your other people. Um, but yeah, as a, uh, she has a big, obviously positive presence, um, that everybody can look up to. And she's also volunteer coaching. So, helping the next generation uh, to grow up and, and learn the things you can teach through swimming. And again, I'm excited about that because I think that gives her a different mindset of when she's swimming. As I said, once I started coaching, I was focusing on so much more what I was doing in the water. Um, so I told her, I think it'd be beneficial for her too. And, and, and of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, having that great leadership, uh, helps not just the group but but as you said the next generation to pick that up as a norm and just carrying that on and and then they learn it the right way the first time so i think we got through that first boost of people that kind of starting to graduate uh but they're you know such great people with great mindset and hard work and good work ethic that that they're presenting a positive uh, environment and and all the right things to do so when people see that they want to be a part of it and follow that and um, obviously makes it so much better for everyone what advice would you give to coaches who struggle with that i mean would you agree that if your most talented athlete is super lazy it's better to not have them even if they're olympic caliber absolutely and, and for so, me, it's very difficult to watch someone who has talent and, and kind of wasting it and not putting the effort. And I tried to change that before and can't say I, <laughs> I was successful every time, but that, that just, I think, ruins your day. It's not fun to, to see that. 
and not to mention others see that too it does not bring a positive mindset and energy so i think that having one bad person affects the entire group uh just from the moment they walk in with the negative body language to the comments or just but just seeing someone not trying while you're you know trying to do your best and sweating and all that it, it it's not a good view or sight to see and yeah, as a coach to see someone wasting their talent is i think the the hardest thing to watch because if someone's not talented and not trying i was like okay well whatever at least they're in the water they're not in front of the computer or whatnot but when you have like your senior group people working hard to put someone in there that doesn't share the same mindset and it's just kind of like wasting their time their your time energy um, i think that takes more out and kind of brings the whole environment down around them so yeah i'll take yeah. the i don't care about the points and that is just having having fun enjoying to go to work and working with kids who want to be there and, and willing to work and able to work together mm-hmm. it's if it's 10 people it's 10 people if it's 100 it's 100 whatever it is so i, I mm-hmm. don't go by the numbers and again it needs to be a good fit as a person not the swimmers so i don't look at the times so i want to see what the person's like and is this a good fit? Are they bringing something to the table to make the team or the group better? Or are they just kind of taking it away? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I feel like that's something that really does separate you and Eagle Aquatics from a lot of different teams is the focus is specifically on the people and the culture. And a lot of people talk about their team culture and people, but not many people have the willingness to, hey, if there's a cancer to the culture, like we got to get rid of it and we can't have that in here no matter how fast they are. And so I just think that's great insight. And then you trust the process. And when you do build that type of culture, you end up finding people who uh, are bought in and then they do things that you didn't even know they could do. And then all of a sudden, everybody wants to be like that because they realize what happens when you do the right things and put in the time and care about others. And so anyway, it's been really great having you on here, coach Adam. Thanks for giving us some insight into your mindset and coaching methods and journey. I think a lot of people will really benefit from this if they give it a listen, but really appreciate your time and thankful for everything that you've done. Oh, well, thank you. Not just for the podcast, but obviously what you do every single day and what you do for not just the kids, but you know, you make all the coaches better and, and carrying that positive fire around every single day just makes it makes everyone day day better. And appreciate Thanks, that. The feeling is mutual, brother. Thanks so much for everything. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Swim Strong Dryland podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the Swim Strong Dryland family, you can reach out to us via email or social media. You can also follow Swim Strong Dryland on YouTube and TikTok for more educational content. Mutual brother. Thanks so much for everything. See you later. Thank you. Bye.